Hi, I'm Adam Elliott. And I'm Ben Anton. And this is Real Estate in the 608. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist curled up? Thanks for waiting. That's the waiting song from Madison musician Seesaw. And welcome to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. All right, we're off to the running, Ben. This is episode two. Episode two, we are doubling production. (laughs) They didn't shut us down after one, so I think that's a good thing that we're continuing on here. I think so, and and I think it was a fun opportunity to learn, and uh, we've got a lot more learning to do uh, for people who want to have one house, two houses, three houses, or just want to live in a house more efficiently. That's right. We should do just a quick little setup, remind folks, like what real estate in the 608 is. What's it about? Who's it for? And we kind of just talked about that just a little bit. It's it's kind of like a, a magazine, we'll say a real estate magazine that talks about issues related to owning real estate and everything in that Venn diagram. Right. And today we're going to talk a little bit with our guest about renting real estate as well. So we're trying to provide a little bit of information for people all along the home ownership or uh, home relationship spectrum. Mm -hmm. It is a relationship sometime, isn't it? And a spectrum. And a spectrum with lasers and colors, I believe. Yes, it's a wonderful thing. So let's talk about this week. What's going on this week? Um, a, a first for me this week. Uh, as you know, I, I, I do most spend most of my time as a real estate broker with the Lauer Realty Group. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we talked a little bit about the hectic pace of the Madison market. Mm-hmm. Um, this last week was the first time that I'd written an offer for a client who had never stepped foot in the house. Do people do that? Is that a thing? They They do. I've known other people have done it, and but this was my first. Uh, a, a buyer from New York that I had met in person uh-huh. and that I had toured homes with in person. Okay. So you had an established relationship. Established, established little trust relationship. Was built beforehand. Okay. A little bit of trust, like the let's go buy a $300,000 house <laughs> that you didn't see. Uh-huh. Um, but that was what happened. The miracles of, of, of Apple technology and FaceTime allowed me to, to give her a tour of the home and uh, and and we wrote an, and won, or we wrote an accepted offer on that property. So you walked through the house with your camera, your phone, and you just kind of like showed them. Here's the kitchen. Here's the living room, and that was all they needed, right? I brought a friend along. Uh-huh. Let's call him Scapegoat, um, <laughs> just just in case. <laughs> I, I didn't want one. I didn't want all of the all of the responsibility. I needed a buy-in from well, someone else she trusted. But no, I went I went through the place. We viewed it as I we showed it as I would have showed a house to anyone. We talked about windows and required maintenance and 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 roof and structure and age, building, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all the things that uh, that we would talk about if she had been there in person. But she obviously would have been a little bit more engaged and had a slightly better vantage point. Gotcha. So you kind of had like a proxy of the person going in with you. That made me a little bit more comfortable with the idea. And, yeah. And, okay. and I, I was a little uncomfortable. That's a, that's a big decision. Buying a house is a, is a big decision. That's, yeah. why, that's why we're here, to help people uh, do so a little bit uh, a little bit wiser or be a little bit wiser about the process. So I was nervous, and but it went well. We had the inspection later in the week, which she was able to attend. Um, I was so very happy when she arrived, stepped into the house for the first time, and was clearly tentative. Uh-huh. Um, but it, there was there was a high five a few minutes later, and I, I was I was glad for the match. So expectations were met. Expectations were met. 
Wow. Well done. Congratulations. Uh, and my name is Adam Elliott. I am a homeowner. I'm certainly an employee at UW-Madison as well. But um, one of the things I note as a homeowner is, uh, especially during winter in Wisconsin, the fact that snow happens to be around every now and then. And I've seemed to have worked into this pattern with my other homeowners in my neighborhood, which I will call my community since we do these things together. We've kind of worked this thing where the first person uh, that gets out after the snow will tend to snowblow the two neighbors' sidewalks on each side uh, first thing in the morning, which was a nice treat to wake up to, I would Certainly. say, for anybody. And then at the end of the day, if there is snow to clear out, the other one will go and complete the other two neighbors to the left and right. And I don't know, I was just, I was pleased, and this was like a surprise, like, addition to the community that it's... Are you in the middle? I Well, in the, I'm on a row, of course, so I have somebody to the left and right. I'm not on a corner house. But now if the person to your right mm-hmm. wakes up first, mm-hmm. does you and the neighbor two to your right, and then at the end of the day, what about the guy on the left who... Mm-hmm. isn't going to get the same treatment. Mm-hmm. I do not think that there's a mathematical equation that follows here, or, or that I think it's really just like a chip in whoever does it. And it, there was like no even comment about it other than just like a wave. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that's beautiful. I know. In, in my neighborhood, nice. <laughs> in my neighborhood, oftentimes I... I, as I walk, I, the office, the Lau Realty Group office is just a block from my house, and and I walk there after a recent storm, and it was for the most part I'm looking at the sidewalks and telling myself, this is why socialism can't work right here. <laughs> uh, so, so much, like not only were there people who just said, whatever, but then there's people that go to a hard stop. Uh-huh. Like I am going to yes, shovel right. to the lot line and then stop, or I might even leave a little pile. Right. Right, so... Um, well... To that, all I could say is that socialism is an effect in my neighborhood, but maybe not yours. <laughs> isn't, isn't, isn't that ironic when so many people probably moved to mind thinking we were cool like that? Uh, well, that's okay. That's what's going on this week. Hey, let's talk about what's going on in the headlines. In the headlines, we're going to talk a little bit. We're every every opportunity we sit, we're going to grab a little something that we believe to be of note. Uh, last mm-hmm. last episode, we talked about the sale of one of our favorite uh, Eastside Taverns, Brothers, Brothers Three. Three. Yeah. Uh, and this 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 episode, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some uh, statistical outliers. Mm. Perhaps what's the most expensive house to sell in uh, January? That's a great question. I think there was I think there was a recent news story about the most expensive home that was ever sold in the history of the United States, and it was somewhere in New York. And it was some ungodly number that I can't even, you know, fathom that like a house would go for that. But I guess it was like a rich part of, you know, lower Manhattan. And what did I, was that somewhere in the 25,000 square feet or was it was, it was big. Yeah, that sounds right. All right. Well, here in Madison where <laughs> things are, where things are a little bit more modest, uh-huh. our, our most, the most expensive home to sell was a modest 5,000 square feet. Okay. That's still pretty big. That's still that's pretty, pretty big. big. And, and it was on the water in Maple Bluff. Oh, so it, of course. It did okay. have a few feathers in it cap, but $1.7 million. Okay. I mean, like, it's it's hard to be shocked, I guess, by those, you know, numbers that I hear these days, you know, based on, and I'm based, basing that on what I bought my house for, which was nowhere near even a quarter of that. Well, and you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to your purchase price yeah. when we talk about the least expensive home <laughs> to sell in Madison, but, uh, but Fuller Drive in Maple Bluff, it was five bedrooms, five baths, 5,000 square feet, built in 1957. 
And then from the look of the pictures, I'm going to say remodeled in the 80s and 90s. But, okay. but it had some needs. At, at 1.7, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for move-in ready. Yeah, right. Yeah, you would hope this, so. There was some things that, uh, that I might... Uh, a, a little too Olive Garden on the interior for me. Uh, but <laughs> so you got to explain Olive Garden. Olive Garden, like there were there was some uh, rounded rounded arches. Oh, and some, okay. And some heavy heavy mud work on the walls. I thought you meant just like generic kind of design no, pieces. No, the, 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 the aura wall. and just like <laughs> nothing that's living. <laughs> well, if I said family restaurant, you'd think brass and teal. <laughs> but if I say if I say uh, hospitaliano, yeah. <laughs> then perhaps you've got a different aesthetic in mind. Um, 180 days on the market, so it took a little while to sell. And that's... the fact that it came down. That's that that 1.7 is a, is a reduced sales price from uh-huh. the 2.2 million ask. Oh. Um, and it turns out that the, it looks like the offer came in when the price was at 1.8, but you get a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollar cash discount. So there we go. So wait, would they paid cash? Is so that what you're telling it me? It would appear. It would appear as such. Public records do not sh- would not show a mortgage, uh, but the transaction at the time of, of sale was was a cash transaction. Who is the person that has one point seven million dollars cash on hand to me? People, I, people like, who are going to live in Maple Bluff on the lake. People who are going to live in Maple Bluff. That seems so far out of the range of reality of what I know, and I think what the people I surround myself with know. Oh, yeah. That and seems that, like this podcast is not for you, sir. <laughs> and. I, and or your family, or or ma'am, whomever that is. That's uh, fine. I mean, that's it's a cool. I just it's it's shocking, and I know that's that's a thing that happens. Now, this right? podcast may feature your plumber, but that's about it. <laughs> the people will walk in with cash, right, and just be like, "Here it is. Well, I'm going to pay cash." At this point, and it could have been, it could have been for leverage or a bargaining position. Uh-huh. Oftentimes, uh, cash is cash offers are written and then later financed, but it may have been an option for them, and that's sometimes an option for. For, uh, oh, I heard an interesting one. The GI Bill, um, the, the generous in-law. The, 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 GI, the GI Bill mm-hmm. is not just for right. former service people, but also those with generous in-laws. I gotcha. But okay. uh, so that's that uh, 3.5, 3.5 miles, which is, is not that far uh-huh. in Madison. And, no. and, and for the most part, directly up New, uh, Sherman. Mm-hmm. Was the least expensive sale in, oh. in January so 2019. The, the so on Sherman, all right, Maple Bluff up to Sherman. You're saying right, okay, so yeah. get on Sherman, go north mm-hmm. until you let's see to Delaware. Mm-hmm. You know where the state Not names are. The state of, but the state name streets. The state name yeah. streets up there in mm-hmm. Delaware, and then uh, and then turn right on Deborah. Okay, Deborah Lane. And that was the least expensive. Least home? expensive home, one hundred and forty-five thousand dollars. Oh man! Which is see that's do, is that what you pay for about ish? What yours was? No, well, mine is yeah about ish. One fifty-five is what I got in three years ago for a foreclosure. And this house, time. also a foreclosure. Wow! From the same friendly people at uh, at Homepath and Fannie Mae. Oh, okay. So they, they not a whole lot of those in our market. So I was a little surprised to see that. But uh, fourteen hundred square feet, three bedroom, mm-hmm. darling little home, no appliances, had a lot of paneling. It's going to need some updating, but uh, pretty nice place. Nice place, good, and That's certainly good. a lot more affordable than the, than just three point five miles to the south. All right, so that was a look at the headlines right now. I think we should talk about who uh, we have Who's invited here? our in studio guest. It's Nina. Nina Liebwall. Nina, welcome. You've been sitting so patiently and waiting to say hello. Please join us. Hello. Hello. And Nina, Nina does a lot of things. She is, uh, she is the business manager at Lauer Realty Group. Um, but I think that she and I are most often talking about um, the things we do or the, the, 
the similarities in our in our day-to-day work as she is also the property manager or landlord for Foundry Apartments. Foundry Apartments. Tell me about Foundry Apartments. Well, uh, it's uh, been around for about 20 years, mm-hmm. and there's five different buildings, and it's just apartments in the Near East Side and downtown of Madison. Mm-hmm. So range of sizes, old buildings, new buildings. So a lot of the same things that, that I'm encountering, she's doing on a day-to-day basis. We'll talk to her a little bit more about that as soon as we wrap with the, let's see, we're going to move to the top of the hour tip. There's no way. The Hour Tip is brought to us by Lauer Realty Group at 2229 Atwood Avenue and online at LauerRealtyGroup.com. Lauer Realty Group, powerful results, real people. In with us today is Mark Gladue, broker associate with the Lauer Realty Group. Are you a backdoor kind of family? Or do all your friends know to use the side door when they enter your house? Well, today's Top of the Hour Tip is just for you. If you're thinking about selling your home in 2019 then it's time to start thinking about your front door. Start thinking about, is your front door inviting to those who come in? Do you have a space when you enter the front door where people can comfortably sit, take off their shoes, and spend a minute in these colder months with the wet weather? Your main entrance was given special attention at the time the home was built. It's there for a reason, to invite all those who enter to enjoy the space that you've occupied. So today's top of the hour tip, make sure that your front door entrance is the main entrance when people come in. Top of the hour tip is brought to us again by Lauer Realty Group, and Mark is one of the real people offering those powerful results. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Our in-studio guest today, Nina Liebwall. Thank you. You got it. We've got some fun games here to play, Nina. We play a little game. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make everything more, from here out more fun. Uh, it's also going to let people know just how familiar you are with the Madison area and some Madison history. There used to be. There used to be. There used to be. There used to be. Used to be nothing but smiling faces as far as the eye could see. Car in every driveway, swinging every tree. People can't stop talking about the way things used to be. I bo- did you tell me earlier, though, uh, that you are from the East Coast? I am. And when and when did you move to Madison? 1994. I, my questions are, are specially uh, catered for you, and uh, and we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go. Are you ready? And then I'm gonna ring a bell, and then there's gonna be three of them, and then there's prizes. All right. I'm just here for the prizes. <laughs> That's what, <okay. laughs> what New York-style bagel company first opened in Madison in 1973 and still occupies the same bakery and plant today? Bagels forever, Alex. Did you hear the yeah, bell? The bell. That's a bell. That's correct. Bell that yeah. was, it, there we go. <laughs> we'll let's take care of that in post. Um all right, here we go. This is some a little bit more local, a little bit more neighborhood, but very good. One right. In 1902, this is before you've arrived. <laughs> this is before I've arrived. But I think you might get... What school was built and first occupied or first used uh, in a small triangular park located just east and north of Shanks Corners? Mm. A small and triangular park... Shanks Corners. Located just east and north of Shanks Corners. One might also call it behind the Barrymore. Behind the Barrymore, right. A small triangular park. What school 
occupied a small triangular park Man. just behind the Barrymore. Do you do you know these? She's. I mean, I'm thinking me of look, the schools like, that I know. <laughs> I know, right? The high school seems to be square. Um, let's think about the name of the park and see if that helps us. All right, we're we're not going to hear. We have a countdown. We're not going to hear the yeah. bell on that yeah. one. Hawthorne. Oh, Hawthorne. Oh, I know the park. Where's Hawthorne the, Park. Where is the school? It's not yeah. there anymore. They oh. tore it down. Oh. Um, what currently okay. exists in that space? <laughs> Hawthorne Park. It is okay. Sorry. And Hawthorne, the Hawthorne is Hi. still a school, <laughs> but it's uh, right. It's behind the Bimbo Bakery yeah, or whatever. Right. Th- that's it's real estate. Real estate news. Yeah. From last year, not there anymore. Uh huh. Are um, we still gonna smell bread though? Uh, that's that's what, that's what we'll all miss. I know. Okay, so that was a school, an Eastside school question. Um, this one is kind of a it segues from some school facts. Shank School, we've heard of that. It's on mm-hmm. Shank Street in the East Moreland neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And Hugel School is on the west side, just off of Prairie in the Meadowood neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Shank School and Hugel School. Where was the retail store named Shank and Hugel? And what did they sell? Were they in Shanks Corners? And did they sell uniform workwear? Correct. Yes. Amazing. The Shank and Hugel Uniform Company was at the former site of the Shanks Grocery, which is the Triangle Building at Atwood and Winnebago. All right. Across from the other triangular building at Atwood and Winnebago, the, the bank. Ben, I got to say, bank. you as a cabbie know these. You got these things down, man. I have been a Madison resident since 1980. Could not have told you. I, I don't think I would have got any of these three. Shank, Maybe Bagels Forever. Bagel, well, Shank and Hugel, <laughs> that, I, was, I did a little reading and, and watched an interesting, interesting documentary, documentary uh, that Greta Wing Miller, mm-hmm. a neighborhood historian, had mm-hmm. put together. And I learned a lot about the Shanks and the Hugels. And uh, and saw quite a few buildings that that their family built that are still up today, mm-hmm. living in the neighborhood here. How about that? Well, that is the way it used to be. Thank you for playing, Nina. Did we? Did Nina win any prizes today? Oh, I got one out of three. <laughs> two, two out of three. Two, two, out, two three. out of three. I, two I out went three. from three. just passing to failing. Come on, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> get degrees, right? <laughs> I will think, we'll think, uh, it'll take a version of the home game. All right. The way it used to be takes us back to kind of the, the, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to learn a little bit about, about you and your relationship with Madison and, and real estate. We, you know, we, you, can t- you can feel free to share an amusing anecdote about tenants or something you've learned since then. But I'd like to know a little bit about about Nina before um, she was all real estatey, and 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 tell us where where was it like where was your first house? Well, my very first house was on the corner of East Main and Second Street, and it's a brick two flat. Brick two flat. See, mm-hmm. um, my first house also on Main Street. Get out. From from Main Street, the greats have, were born, <laughs> um, and you and your and uh, your wife Liz Lauer mm-hmm. at, at Lauer Realty Group, and then you both you both lived there, correct? Yep, we bought and it then, together. Uh, you may not remember this, but I sold that that house later, years later, to another person named Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a brick two flat. So as your first house, what made you choose to to have a two flat as your first house? That's that is not uh, well. I did it. 
uh, as well. I don't think it's super common. What was what was your logic there? Well, um, Liz and I both, our parents both had rental properties growing up, so we were very used to that and getting schlepped around, being made to paint things and clean things and drywall. Um, so it made sense. And then also when we wanted to buy a house together, we both of us were just starting out. We didn't have, have very good jobs, so it's a really good way to stretch your dollar and kind of make a good investment at the same time. Now, Liz at the time was was a, was uh, a realtor. She she's got about ten years on on me, right? So she was was she working at? at I think she was just starting out. Just starting out. And then were you also selling real estate then, or what? What were you doing? I can't remember what I was doing. It was some very glamorous job of either working in a title company, or I ran a deli, or I worked in retail. Any at, one of those. Okay. I, I have a degree w- in religious studies, so I'm highly qualified for all of those. <laughs> <laughs> and then you went on at some point to become one of the associates at uh, at Liz Lauer and Associates. Right. We well, we started working together before before she started the Lauer Realty Group. So I think she before was, Lauer Realty Group, she, Lauer Realty she worked for other for medium other brokers, or larger yeah. brokers and and had a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you were on on said team. Correct. And I was I think, the first member of the team. <laughs> Seems fair, right? <laughs> um, Foreshadowing, and I and and we overlapped a little bit in that I I think as you were exiting to take on a more of a property management role and 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 uh, raising some children, um, I sold maybe one of your last. I feel like it was your last listing on Je- Jennifer and Dickinson, a little house over by uh, Marquette School, and it was it was as you were. I felt it was as you mm-hmm. were trailing off, and then I, said, I finally caught and sold one of your listings, and I felt, I don't know, I didn't feel great. It's a great little house. <laughs> Dave is still there, I think, and uh, and enjoying it quite a bit. So there was a little bit of financial sensibility in buying a two-flat, and, and I would say also a, a financial sensibility in buying on East Main Street. Yep, which is a little bit separate. So from... let, let me let me set the table for those folks who are still a little green to the game like me. A two flat, I would say. Let's describe what a two flat is. I know what a ranch is. I know what an apartment looks like. A two flat, I'm guessing, is like two houses, one two on top of each other. Is that a correct assumption to make? Right. It's 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 a house, or and then it's got. The first floor is one apartment, yep. and the second floor is... And you would commonly see a lot of those in the Jennifer Street neighborhood, right? Is there other sections of Madison that have a lot of two flats in them? I would say near west as well. Near west does too? I, I, yeah, mo- maybe maybe near. Anything near, okay. with, with near in, in the front of it, uh, is going to be a two flat, whereas the f- you get out to the, the far mm-hmm. uh, east or far west, and you're going to talk about a duplex. Mm-hmm. I feel like like people might assume that a side or a side-by-side... Um, but that is a regional term, I think, mm-hmm. where we might call it a two flat, and other other uh, markets it might have a different name. But gotcha. So a slight difference from the from the duplex thing, and like you were talking about the attractiveness of like, okay, that seems like a little financial stability to go in there get a house. Is the you know did you rent out the other? flat? We didn't have to rent it out. You it didn't. already came with a tenant. Oh, it did. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So so the tenant, when you buy uh, an income property in mm-hmm. Madison, whatever leases are in place, stay in place unless you make you know other arrangements and get the tenant's agreement. So we inherited an upstairs tenant mm-hmm. um, and they were great. So the attractive nature of a two-flat, buying a place or maybe even a duplex would be a similar kind of situation, buying a place that you could potentially earn more money from as opposed to you just owning a house flat out. 
Exactly. It's yeah. the combination of, of one, getting into your own home, but then also, two, that it's an investment yes. and it's a good yeah. value. And then I know for us also, for where we were financially, um, having that rental income made mm-hmm. us able to afford to afford the place. like a so in my head that seems like a mental hurdle to get over because you're buying two instead of one and you have to think about like the potential that you have to pay twice as much as you might be knowing that you're going to have some income on it as opposed to just buying the house for yourself and kind of just having that as your own property is that that didn't seem to be a challenge for you it wasn't a challenge and part of it is also that it wasn't twice as much. So there was a definite uh-huh. financial adva- advantage there. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, and In the same way, I talked about the house that, uh, that I'd showed via video phone uh-huh. earlier. That was, a, that was a two flat, top and bottom, okay. uh, two bedrooms over two bedrooms. It was not twice as much as a single family house. In fact, I had, I had shown this woman a house uh, on Ingersoll that was about 1,000 square feet. And it was Darling and Cutest Button, mm-hmm. uh, listed at two hundred seventy thousand dollars. That house sold in with great speed in in less than a week. Uh, so a thousand square feet, two hundred seventy thousand dollars. Now all of a sudden, I'm a few I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mile and a half, two miles uh, further east, mm-hmm. but still in a very attractive Shanks Corners, you know, or Shanks At- Atwood uh, neighborhood, and I'm I'm buying two nine hundred square foot apartments for thirty thousand dollars more. There's still just one roof, mm-hmm. still just one foundation, one garage, one driveway. But I'm able to offset my mortgage payment with a rent of about $1,200 coming in from the neighboring unit. Now, one of the downsides of that, because if it was that easy, everybody would do it, right? One of the downsides is that when buying a multi-unit property, you're going to have to come to the table with a, with a more significant down payment. An owner occupant yes, right. won't need won't need twenty percent, but an investor would. So there is a slight advantage to being an owner occupant in a multi unit, but it's not gonna be as affordable as the as the three and a half or five or ten percent down that you could do on a single family home. So there are some hurdles to buying the two flat, but they are not necessarily that the property itself will be twice as much because that is not mm-hmm. the case. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Our in-studio guest is Nina Liebwald. Nina, thanks for joining us today. That experience sounds like you got your foot in the door with owning rental property, right? right. Being a landlord, essentially, right? right? And you consider yourself a landlord right now, too? Definitely. Yeah. So from the approach of somebody who is deciding these days, knowing in Madison, it's a tight market. It's going to cost more probably to get either that apartment or the home that you're going into. And I think I might know the answer, but uh, based on your occupation, rent or buy, do you recommend people rent or buy these days? I think it really depends on you and what your plans are. Mm -hmm. So I think if you know you're here for the long term, mm-hmm. a couple of years, more, um, and you have the financial ability, I would say buy. You have, whenever you buy real estate, I think you want to be smart about it and make sure that you're not paying too much, 
that you're picking a place that's going to have good resale based on location and what it has. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you put those pieces together and you buy, um, then the appreciation you can get and the benefit of, of paying into your equity instead of paying to a landlord can make a difference. Mm-hmm. So, Not just the appreciation of the smile, right? Correct. <laughs> one, one of the questions Adam, Adam put down in our show notes was, was is rent negotiable? Yes. And, and I'm, I, I wondered what your answer might be. Because I wonder also if it is the same answer that I would have given. Because it's rental season. The answer is no. The answer is no. no. I'm kidding. kidding. (laughs) Um, It's always negotiable. Everything's negotiable, right? It's always negotiable, but it and it's going to always depend on what is the position at that moment. Is this an apartment that is vacant and needs to get rented? Go ahead and negotiate, and Mm -hmm. you can always ask. And I think. I would say don't put yourself out there as someone who's going to negotiate on everything and be really hard about it because I know for me as a landlord, I'm going to be like, who is this person? Do I want them as a tenant? But, uh, you know, I I definitely respect the person who's like, is there any room to move on this? Can I? Someone who has Mm -hmm. taken the time maybe to to understand the situation or ask some questions and, and, and learn a little bit about your, you know, this might sound a little heady, but has asked you a little bit about your goals and your timelines and has tried to understand your situation and then perhaps there's ways that they can address them. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you, that you answered that way because I had recently uh, negotiated on two uh, single-family homes that we rented over some of the colder months. And um, families don't move around as much as, as single people. Mm-hmm. They are less transient. And if you've got a December or... January vacancy in a single family home and it's 60 days from now, most families know where they're going to be in 60 days. Whereas a single person mm-hmm. coming to town for Epic, well, boom, I, I'm not concerned at all to fill a one bedroom or an efficiency in the cold month. Or, but a single family, so, so there was some negotiating that happened. And, it, and you know, if those folks stay now, it's going to be a long, long, hard row to hoe mm-hmm. to get that up to a closer to market rent. But uh, hopefully I laid the expectations up early that this was kind of a kind of a winter discount and that uh, when their lease comes up in July, it's going to be a li- there may be some negotiating again, but it, but the uh, but my side of the my hand will be a little a little better. I'm glad you brought up. Uh, the, the phrase market rent, how do you determine what market rent is? And that's either, you know, either of you, like <laughs> where does that number come from? I know for me, it just, it comes from research mm-hmm. and comes from looking at what else is out there, what's around, um, what are things renting at and how, how does the rental market feel in terms of how did it go the last year? Um, how much is coming up available? It's all those pieces. Madison is such a strong rental market Mm -hmm. um, that it is also, there's enough time usually between when you start renting and when it's coming up that there's room to move as well. So it ties into negotiating too in terms of what is the market rent. Um, There's room in there to see what it is. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. To start, you, know, you never want to, you don't want to try or experiment the same way in a, in, a, in a sale. You don't want to start high and see what happens. But when you've got time in a rental situation, you could, you could, you know, it mm-hmm. is our job to, to do, to make money. 
and uh, right. and to and to test the market and to see what what the market is willing to bear. Um, and that and that's always gonna it. You're gonna learn mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. comparative research when people show up and say, "Ah, no thanks." That means that they can they can do better elsewhere, and you might need to make some adjustments. Yeah. Um, why don't we take a break at this point? We got the market update. The market up update. Next. Mark Gladue from Lowell Realty Group will be in shortly with the market update. It's time for the market update with Mark Gladue. The market update is sponsored by BenAnton.com's email newsletter, the 22nd 22nd Read, a podcast for your eyes. Delivered monthly on the 22nd and written in easy-to-digest segments, taking no longer than 20 seconds to read, visit BenAnton.com on Facebook and click sign up. Thanks so much, Ben. So we are in the month where it's cold, and everyone thinks that it's not really that time of year to list my house. Well, what we see now for sellers and buyers is a frenzy, and that frenzy is taking place because the inventory in the market is so low. What that means is you may be thinking about listing your home but wanting to hold off because it's cold or snowy or rainy, but the buyer's not holding off. In certain circumstances, already in January and February, what we see is that one home will come up in a specific neighborhood. It could be Elvium, it could be Acewood, it could be University Heights, but that one home is the only home that dozens of buyers are looking for. And so when the listing agent comes in to list the property, they may come in at a price that's aggressive, but not too aggressive. And then all of a sudden, it's like piranhas pouncing. And you get seven, maybe eight offers. This just happened to me with a buyer. And they received eight offers in the month of January for a small ranch over in the Elvium neighborhood. That small ranch will receive almost 10% more than what it was listed for simply because it's the only home listed in the neighborhood. So for the buyers out there, just be careful. It's a frenzy. You want to make sure that you're getting good advice from your buyer's agent who's looking at comparables for that neighborhood and telling you exactly what they think. It may be about price. It may be about terms. But either way, the inventory is so low that we're going to see this for probably the next month or two. So for sellers, great time. For buyers, beware. Thank you, Mark. I'm still having a hard time picturing a piranha pouncing, but we appreciate your insight. That was Mark with the Market Update, brought to us today by BenAnton.com's email newsletter, the 22nd, 22nd read. You can visit in the 608 on Facebook and click sign up to have a similar market update delivered to your eyes once a month. Okay, and welcome back. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Our in-studio guest is Nina Liebwall, uh, property owner, landlord, and um, thanks again for being here. Today, business Nina. manager. Don't business manager, Biz- thank you. Business right. manager. We, we had like such an in-depth discussion <laughs> of like the title of what it was, um, and business manager is what we landed on. At Lauer Realty At Group, Lauer yes, Realty the, uh, Group. woman kind enough to, to sign my paychecks, which is not why she's here. 
Uh, <laughs> not why she's she's the guest she, she, on episode two. That is not it. What were you guys doing beforehand with signing papers? Then no, I'm kidding. That's it. Um, Nina, I wanted to ask you a question because I think um, a person who's going to listen to this podcast is probably somebody who's interested in in doing something like what you're doing. What is it that you love about being a landlord? What's what's the upside? I think the upside is that. It's actually, it's a lot like selling real estate in that you get to meet a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is going to sound a little cheesy. You can help people. So one of the great things is that as a small landlord and as being the property owner as well is that if something's broken, mm-hmm. I can fix it. I can get it done quickly. I can get it done right. Um, if someone has a problem and I can help them, I can make it happen. So that part is very satisfying and being able to to do a good job and to do right by people. Yeah. So you, how, how many are you covered, How many units do you do you manage now, roughly? Fifty. Fifty. Okay. So I'm about about thirty. And you you mentioned when something breaks, you fix it. So you are still managing all of your units as well, or you are owner managed. Yes. And that is something that I used to, and, and still maybe put in my advertising. That is something that people look for, because when you call. And there is a problem. You are you are talking to the owner or someone very close to them. Oh and right, that's, yeah. and that's something that uh, I think, especially the small time investor, is someone who's who's looking to get that two unit. Um, as much as someone might not want to live next to their landlord in that in that mm-hmm. uh, two flat situation or the owner occupied, um, they do like to know that the building is going to be cared for, as if the the uh, the landlord were present often. I think when I lived in uh, in the two unit. Uh, there is only a certain kind of person that sees value in living next to their landlord, sure. and, and those mm-hmm. they're, they're self-selecting. So there's a little bit of a risk when you buy a place, and and as Nina said, the the lease is binding on the buyer. So if you, I, on Facebook or some of the East Side chat groups, you know, oh my building's being sold and I need to move. Um, that's that's probably mm-hmm. their own choice. Um, if they had a lease, the lease will be binding on the buyer, um, but. Uh, not everybody's going to want to go from being rather uh, comfortable and uh, you know king of the hill to all of a sudden this is someone else's hill. Mm-hmm. There's often a little adjustment period, I think, when an owner-occupant takes over. But that there is also a value in that owner-manager. So interesting the way you both described that. It sounded like there's an issue of scope. Uh, you've got 50 units. That you seem that is like that's manageable for you to be able to manage that. Ben, you had fewer, and you've kind of stepped away from that. Well, like, I'm, I'm at thir- like, there's we're a tipping at 30, point, there, right? And uh, and I would I would love to have a Nina. Uh, then we, <laughs> I, I I kind of have <laughs> who a Nina. Do, who wouldn't? Really? Well, I, I mean, <laughs> I have I have a Nina, but she doesn't like she. We we haven't decided how to how to treat her. She doesn't listen to the podcast. She doesn't want to know about it. She doesn't want to have Rhonda. Um, has has decided that this will be the year of boring, and we're not buying anything more. Uh-huh. Um, and I'd love to have more, and I'd love to have fifty. And I think one of the things um, that makes her fifty uh, as easy to manage as as my thirty or closer to is that several that she's got one larger property. You've got one larger property that puts right. a, a good number of units under the same roof. Exactly. And exactly. that was something you grew up to. You you had two units and single families before, and now you've kind of consolidated where your unit numbers are higher, but your building numbers are probably not as high. Exactly. And part of that is what you said. You get to, you know, fewer roofs, fewer boilers, fewer furnaces. Um, by taking those numbers down, fewer 
parking lots to shovel, um, that can make a difference. The other, the other piece is that, I mean, it is not me doing all of the plumbing and the repairs. I mean, I, I maybe I misrepresented that. No, I'm not it, that talented. A, we under, but. we understand that, uh, that the, the, the manager may be a mm -hmm. bit more of a maestro, um, and is going to have a team, but that there is a closer relationship with the tenant and, and potential, you know, one-on-one -on -one conversation and contact that's going to mm -hmm. result in the work getting done. It, it doesn't mean you have to do it all. Phew. <laughs> <laughs> that does bring up another question to have, is that relationship. I mean, when you have a renter that you are, you're developing a relationship with that person um, financially and other, right? So how do you, what, what would you recommend for others how to keep that in good standings? And where have you seen it gone bad? Sure. And that's, it's definitely a balancing act. Um, and basically, it's, I found the best thing is just keeping an open line of communication mm -hmm. and being honest. And um, this is a small town. So after people move out, you're going to see them everywhere. You're going to go out to the bar and they're going to be next to you. And that's what it is. And so um, everything works out much better if you can be friendly and say hi and, and mm -hmm. um no, things don't always go exactly the way you want them to. And, and sometimes you have tenants who you don't get along or they, you know, something happens and they can't, you know, make the rent and you have to work something out. Um, you know, and what I've tried to do is, is basically just work with people um, for whatever the situation is. Uh, so, and that's worked out really well. And again, just you know, answering phone calls, being professional while still being a real person. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and, and working with people, I think that's a, that's a great way to summarize it and that it would be a two way street. If, if God forbid, there's a problem paying rent, I will work with you. But at the same time, if there's a maintenance concern or something that popped up out of nowhere in your apartment, you need to work with me and understand that I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to get that problem remedied but I am not magical. Mm -hmm. And, and in, in the, in our cases, you know, that it, it might be Monday and it might be early release. And Nina and I both may be required on the Lowell playground at 110. Or it might be the second snow day in a row. Or it might be the second <laughs> snow day in a row. Yeah. Um, and, and luckily if I am not in the Lowell playground at 110 on Monday, Nina is there and has my number, and my Lola knows that. <laughs> Not that it's ever happened. So you're proposing the unique idea that communication is a two-way street, right? Well, communication <laughs> and that and the, the same flexibility that you would hope you are offered, that you offer it, because, you know, things go wrong. There's the time when everything could start going downhill. What's it? What, what, has anything gone wrong lately? We talked to Jeff Pulley from Pulley Plumbing, and he told us that uh, water heaters were, uh, were the most... Uh, most frequent reason he was called. What's what's the most frequent reason you are called as a landlord? The most frequent reason I am called would be a garbage disposal is not working. And I have to say, I'm I'm really fine with that because it's usually a really easy two-minute fix. You go over there, there's a button on the bottom, you press <laughs> it. Do you try to walk them through? Because <laughs> for, for garbage disposals, I try to walk them through it on the phone. It depends on the tenant. <laughs> Again, you get to know your tenants, you know, who may or may not be able to handle that. I do. I, I will try to talk them through it, but some people, it's they can't 
and it is and work. is that hex wrench underneath the sink? <laughs> <laughs> I'll describe it to you again. <laughs> I was I just recently sold a condo at the at Division and uh, and Atwood Two Eighty Division. I, I can't it's either called Shanks Shanks not Shanks Point but Shanks something uh, at uh, on Division and uh, and she and the, the buyer called me over said I'm having trouble. With the uh, there's something wrong with the switch, and it was in fact the uh, fuse or the uh, the safety on the garbage disposal had clicked over because it had been locked up, and it took the right. It actually, took I had to remove it, I had to remove it and dump out the rice peel off in the toilet, and then use the wrench to to rotate the disposal. But I I was not surprised that is your answer. That is also the my most frequent uh, maintenance concern. Um, some of my apartments do not have dish or do not have uh, garbage disposals for exactly that reason. Uh, and dishwashers is probably the second. Do you have a lot of dishwashers in your units? We have a decent number of dishwashers, but they have been okay. Okay, that's been, I they've would been like a, to knock on wood right now. A thorn, a thorn in my side has been the dishwasher. So a lot of kitchen calls. It's uh-huh. the, and um, you know I, we've talked about this a little bit, Adam, but it's not the toilets. It's People people it's, think about the landlord yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. schlepping the, the, the plunger over their shoulder like a hobo stick, but that is <laughs> it's it's more often the garbage disposals than the toilet. Gotcha. And I'm guessing the advice never comes. It's like take your hand out of there first before we do anything. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, don't put your hand in there. That's my job. Well, That's why you rent. <laughs> We're going to press pause on our conversation with Nina for Phil's Phone-In. Phil's Phone-In today is a service of the Penny Library Capital Campaign. Want an opportunity to invest in a new home on Madison's east side? We're talking about the brand new Penny Library building rising on Cottage Grove Road. Go to the Madison Public Library Foundation website at mplfoundation.org and click on the Donate button. Phil Plord is my business partner in Deacon Housing as well as president of Blimling & Associates, a dairy commodities consulting firm. He's going to give us a look beyond the 608. Phil? Hey, Ben. It's Phil Plord with a view beyond the 608. Ben, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a data nerd. I actually look forward to seeing numbers on retail sales, home prices, even weekly railroad freight traffic. And one of my favorite data sets arrives in the Household Debt and Credit Report from the New York Fed. It offers dozens and dozens of figures on debt. Fun stuff like loan volume outstanding by category, delinquency rates, credit scores. I like the report because it gives us a real good sense of consumer credit health. Are we under control or are we way out over our skis? The latest numbers for the third quarter of 2018 show continued restraint. Ben, I don't know if you realize this, but believe it or not, Mortgage debt outstanding is still 2% below the 2008 peak. And when you look at home equity lines of credit, that amount is down 41% from the third quarter of 2008. And delinquencies, not a big deal, with only 1% of mortgages seriously behind compared to 8% at the worst point in 2009. Revolving debt, no red flags there either. Outstanding credit card balances are 3% below the record highs seen in 2008. And we see delinquencies creeping a little higher but they're way, way behind when the economy came unglued 10 years ago. There's only one area with big problems. You've probably read about it, student loans. As of the third quarter of last year, debt outstanding was at more than $1.4 trillion. Trillion, that's 40% higher than five years ago and more than double the total from 10 years ago. And according to that New York Fed data, more than one in 10 of those loans is delinquent. An organization named Student Loan Hero reports that about 45 million Americans have student loans 
and they pay an average of $393 per month. And when they looked at the class of 2018, they say that 69% of those students took out loans and they graduated with an average debt of $29,800. Now, that's a big load, and I think you and I have both heard worse stories than that. From a real estate perspective, experts say that's one big reason why younger people are slower to the starting gate with home purchases. And with the debt figures still spiraling higher, that situation may not change anytime soon. That's all for now. Until the next time, this is Phil with The View Beyond the 608. We're back at uh, Real Estate in the 608, at In the 608 on Facebook, Real Estate in the 608 on Instagram. Insta. Speaking of photos and weird things that people might post online, there is certainly, as a landlord, I'm guessing you see, you come into contact with some odd things that happen in your units as well. Absolutely. 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 <laughs> Sometimes 24 hours notice isn't enough. Isn't enough. Like, oh, that's right, because you have to provide a 24-hour saying, hey, we're going to show the place or something like that. And I don't know, is there anything to say about an experience that you've had in such a situation? There's always experiences, but I'm, I, I'm always amazed at a tenant that they know we're coming and they're still maybe not fully clothed and passed out in the bedroom, <laughs> not Jeez, covered. Out. Or, oh, or, you know, yeah. Don't mind me. <laughs> that, that'll often happen. You probably, And I'm sure you remember this from your showing days when you were uh, selling houses, especially uptown, student neighborhoods on the weekends. Uh, you're going to bring in an investor buyer and you're going to, you're literally going to knock on the door, hear a grumble, open it up, say, don't mind me. And then and oh, then sure. and then right. take your buyers in through the room, maybe while they're under the, somebody or is under the, under blankets or or pretend, I'm, I'm I'd imagine indecent, but you're not going to ask for details. Just say just checking out the closet size and the windows here. We'll be out of your way in a second. <laughs> but when you're going into student housing, you got to kind of like <laughs> set the person up, like prepare yourself for there may be something inside here, right? Right, <laughs> exactly. And and you learn that as the person showing the apartment, it's your obligation, your duty, I'm sure, your responsibility to, to go in first <laughs> so that you can properly screen your, your client or oh, your sure. potential tenant right. from what might be there. I, I've been a little bit surprised. Um, I th- you know, as much as I enter into a relationship with a tenant and we have a certain understanding, um, I might not, uh, we, I didn't necessarily have the conversation with these people that like, I'm cool with weed. Whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. Um, so so I'm, I'm a little bit surprised sometimes that it that the that there'll be uh, a pipe or a bong or, 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 you know, I haven't had a lot of plants. Just left out. Yeah. But, but uh, oh, look at that. Everybody has le- their own comfort factor with uh, showing who they are and what they have, I think, <laughs> in some ways is probably the nicest way to put it. Maybe not always the smartest in the legal sense, but yeah, it's. it's uh, I don't think uh, there's such a thing as like a, a, a in a childcare or a nurse or a doctor as a, as a mandated reporter <laughs> when they see something illegal or dangerous for a child. But I don't. There's not necessarily the same standard for landlords, for landlords or, or yeah. real estate agents, but you. Know, you stumble into some pretty crazy things. Uh-huh. Speaking of crazy things, Nina, is there, is there one thing you wish that people just knew, like that maybe isn't like written on the lease or something like that, that they would know about the place that seems like, oh, it's such common sense that you shouldn't be doing that. But Well, there's, there's the ever-present request 
to be careful with what you put down the toilet. And of course, yeah. And it's, you know, it's it's definitely, it's gotten to the point where it, so many things are marketed as flushable and, and really it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. And it's gotten to the point where when people move in, I, I'm actually, I'm really grateful. When I first started out, I was, you know, 23 years old. And a lot of these people that I was showing apartments to were my age. They were my peers. Mm-hmm. And that was good. And I finally realized a couple of years ago now that I'm, mid forties that they look at me and they see their parents <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm like, I can, I can work with this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, you know, and as they move in and I give them some papers, I've now started talking them through what they can and can't put in the disposal, okay. how to wash their clothes, mm-hmm. how to use a dishwasher, um, that things that cannot go in the toilet, no tampons, no flushable wipes. Uh, flushable. Yeah. Flushable. Yeah. Nothing is flushable. It took me a long time well, to... Well, that's the thing is everything is flushable. <laughs> and that's... And we had I, we had Jeff Pulley on last, last episode. I mentioned him. And I had just connected him with a woman in the Eastmoreland neighborhood. Her home was built on a slab. And, and because it was built on a slab, it is a little bit more difficult to understand... Um, how that sewer lateral, how the sewer lateral connects oh, with uh-huh. the the main stack from the house, and um, had some flooding out of the the uh, drain in the utility room, which would have been the lowest point of the of the drain system, or and, and um, it was those damn flushable wipes because they are flushable, but that is all you can do with them. That that does not guarantee <laughs> that they biodegrade. Oh, it does not guarantee. No. That they are going to disintegrate in moisture. It just means you can flush them. If anything, it means the opposite. Yes. You're probably going to have a problem. <laughs> right. So, so I, I also have. And you think it's bad? You're, you're a forty year old woman talking to another woman about feminine hygiene products. Try, try to be that forty year old guy that says, um, "Yeah, I'm going to need you to stop flushing your tampons down the toilet because the uh, the guy from Rotor Rooter just handed me three of them." Uh, <laughs> oh, Ben, I, I have the same discussion with my male tenants, too. Uh-huh. I don't care. <laughs> well, th- those, are, those are some of those landlord stories, and, uh, and uh, we're, we're happy to share them with you as we invite people smarter than us to talk about all kinds of things. That's right. These are just the adventures of landlords, right? <laughs> exactly. It's all fun. <laughs> You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. You can also find us online at inthe608.com. Hey, Ben, what was that? What was that? That was that was episode two. That was episode two. We made it through another one. And it was, Nina's great. Nina was fantastic. I loved hearing We her. talked a little bit about a landlord having their home ownership experience multiplied yeah. uh, by however many units. And, and, and with 50 units at uh, Foundry Apartments... Um, She's she's had a lot of experience multiplied mm-hmm. uh, by fifty. Yep, I really like how she talks about that relationship piece because, like, that's going to probably end up making the difference on whether or not the owner, but also as the renters, having a good experience with you know the property that they're in. Certainly, and and a big part of this podcast, uh, I think, is is about relationship. It's mm-hmm. a, it's mm-hmm. about you know we talked about my calling you and you calling me and, right. and people knowing what their what their uh, wheelhouse was. The relationship that I have with my plumber, and in in Nina's case, my I guess my my business manager and mm-hmm. my and my colleague, it is those relationships that allow me to do what I do as well as I do, and I hope that I add value to her 
her business and operations as well. But really, you know, those relationships and again, surrounding people or surrounding ourselves with people smarter than us mm. and always learning. Yeah. And, uh, and that's something we can certainly do from Nina. I got to figure out how to build that relationship with the person that's going to show up with a briefcase with $1.7 million. Yes, the, the biggest sale <laughs> of, of the year so far, I guess, would also, it would also qualify as we were looking mostly at, at January numbers to see what the, uh, what the highest sales price had been. And, the, and yes, that was a cash sale on, on Fuller Drive in Maple Bluff. Did, that, uh, did we state if that was a record for Madison or just a record for the time right now. That was simply the the highest price in the last 30 days. The last 30. Man, 1.7 million. Well, they will probably be enjoying that house, I hope. I would imagine as <laughs> soon as the uh, the lake the lake thaws, they can put a big boat in the water. <laughs> uh, but I was as excited really to see that there is still or what one might call still a value on the north side there at 145. Yeah, Who, whoever sure. bought that house is probably going to do just fine, you know? And maybe they'll have neighbors like I have neighbors who appreciate the socialism of uh, snow shoveling and snow plowing. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And, and... And we could get critical about about you know could socialism work and is <laughs> is the uh, the manner in which some uh, city sidewalks get cleared proof that it can't? Right. Yeah. No kidding. There's still I still have some on uh, my neighborhood that uh, have the giant pile at the uh, accessible curb too, which infuriates me to no extent. And you know, and that's something to think about when you're buying a house. If yeah, you don't like true. shoveling. <laughs> Don't buy the house on the corner. Right. Like, I, I wonder if that that should have actually been a good question for is like, the, in the mind of a renter, is snow shoveling one of the biggest concerns that they don't have to do that when renting a unit? Hey, man, we're getting back to stay. Gonna be another brand new day. When I'm walking with my baby down by the San Francisco Bay. We're just wrapping it up here. We need to provide some thanks. And uh, don't forget about the newsletter, too, right? Yeah. You know, we, we have a market update or the market update uh, every episode. And uh, as we have the, the Madison Real Estate Magazine for your ears, uh, we've got a newsletter for your eyes. BenAnton.com's 22nd, 22nd Read is an email newsletter delivered on the 22nd of each month and written in easy-to-digest segments taking no longer than 20 seconds to read. If you visit BenAnton.com, you can sign up there, or you can actually sign up if you hit us up on Facebook, at in the 608 on Facebook. Click sign up, and you will be one of the 462, now three, uh, recipients of said uh, monthly newsletter. Look at your email list; it's just growing and growing. It's growing, and I hope. Congratulations! And, I, and I, hey, we, I, you know, it's, it was, this is episode two, so we've got a lot of growth uh, right. uh, opportunity here as well. Yes, uh, and thanks going out, of course, to our in-studio guest uh, Nina Liebwall. She was fantastic. Of Foundry Apartments and business manager of our realty group. Thanks to our musical guests uh, who you've been listening to throughout the podcast today. Renclaw, uh, Bob Westfall. Yes, and Seesaw. And the Mad City Jug Bands. Fantastic. They are great. All in the 608 musicians. Yeah, that's great. So uh, we'll be signing off right now, Ben. uh, We're going to see you next. Well, I'll see you at uh, Ace on Willie. East on Willie Street? Okay. You'll probably find me cruising over by where the new Penny Ranch Library is going to be, uh, just off Cottage Grove Road. I'm kind of excited with that development coming around. Coming along. Temporary home now in place. 
And we should also thank our listeners, of course, who have joined us uh, on this journey here today. Especially the second time listeners. Hey, (laughs) thank you. And we do appreciate it. This has been Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. My name is Adam Elliott. And I'm Ben Anton. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll be a backup when you're calling my name. And come on, baby, won't you keep me safer than that high score on that pinball game? You're always playing at your favorite arcade. And we could be taking the Come on, baby, won't you buy me flowers with that money spent on whiskey sours that you're buying at those wasted hours? And come on, baby, won't you talk me sweet? Instead, I'm staring at this empty seat because you got someone else you'd rather So I'm singing you this waiting song.